about uh, how that they were just overwhelmed that God would pick them to be the ones to be the earthly parents of the Christ child, and they were just humbled with that, and that was at that part of the play. Now, just just to let you know, the play is different every year. Uh, the writing team puts together a new script every year. Um, of course, you can't change the story of the birth of Christ, but the, fic- the fictional things that happen around it are changed every year. And uh, this year, uh, out of the five showings, uh, what a wonderful time we had. Over uh, 3,100 different people came, um, and over 400 some odd people accepted Christ as Savior. So just a wonderful time. Uh, but when we sing this song, when we sing this song, it's not like we're going to sing it now. We had a, a full orchestra soundtrack and things, and you know we're using our hands and all that kind of stuff, kind of contemporary, but uh, all dramatic. So anyway, we're going to try to tame it down a little bit here this morning. Uh, but anyway, I think you'll enjoy it, entitled Change the World.
If you join me in Isaiah chapter number 9, we're going to look at a very well-known verse of Scripture, especially that's mentioned during the Christmas season. And thank you so much, Pastor, for making that statement about the happy holidays, Merry Christmas situation there. Uh, praise the Lord that we actually still have a time that we can worship the coming of our Savior. Amen. And even though it's being replaced with a number of things, materialism and all sorts of things, uh, praise the Lord that there still is a holiday in which we have dedicated, uh, set aside to the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you join, join with me in standing just for a moment, if you would, Isaiah chapter number 9, we're going to read one verse and then dive right into the message that God has given us here today. 
Isaiah chapter number 9, verse number 6. A prophecy that was given hundreds of years before the Lord Jesus Christ actually came and dwelt upon the earth and died upon the cross. Uh, but this was speaking uh, of Him coming to save each and every one of us. Isaiah chapter number 9, verse number 6. The Bible says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And still, if you remain standing, turn over just one page back, if you would, to Isaiah chapter number 7, verse number 14. Speaking here of the Lord coming once again, another prophecy. Isaiah 7, verse number 14, the Bible says, Therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call His name Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before You this morning. We thank You so much for the opportunity that we have to be able to come to church a place where we can worship You, a place where we can uh, acknowledge who You are without having to hide uh, from the government, having to have our liberties taken from us, Lord. Lord, a place that we can come and hear the truth of the Word of God preached and expounded upon. We ask for a special portion of Your power this morning. We ask that You'll convict us of things that we might need uh, uh, help with in our life. Lord, we ask that You'll encourage us. Give us the shot in the arm that we need. Revive our hearts. Stir us, Lord, this morning to be the Christians that we ought to be. We seek to honor and glorify You during this time for the next 30 minutes or so that we have for the preaching of God's Word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated as we go into the things that God has for us here today. Before we launch into Isaiah chapter number 9, verse number 6, I want to just give a little background to the thoughts that God had given me for this morning's message. Of course, the title is, Christ is the Answer. And what a blessing that in and of itself can preach. Amen? Just thinking about who Jesus is, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, come from His heavenly throne to live among us for 33 and a half sinless years, having to go through the muck and the mire of this world, having to take my sins, your sins, the sins of humanity throughout all generations upon His shoulders to pay and to die for every single one of them. Praise the Lord that He did proclaim those wonderful words in John 19.30. It is finished. He didn't die just before, but He died after He was able to pay for everybody's sins, giving atonement for everyone's sins. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 12, verse number 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The Bible says that He is the beginning and the end. He is the Alpha and the Omega. And when you think about that, in our life, the Bible teaches us that Christ ought to be our life. That our life ought to revolve around Him, what He wants us to do, His direction, His wisdom, the steps that He would take, the choices that He would make, that our life should reflect Christ's. Amen? That's what the Bible teaches us there, I believe, in the book of Colossians. And of course, the trite expression is often mentioned in ecumenical circles, but I believe it's very effective and we should live by it every day. WWJD. What would Jesus do? And if we thought about that, if we contemplated that question every single time we were tempted to do something wrong, every single time we wanted to say something to another individual uh, because of biting back at them or maybe in an argument it would save us from some grief and from saying something that we would regret. What would Jesus do? The Bible says that we ought to look unto Jesus. The Bible also teaches us in the book of Hebrews that we ought to consider Christ. Every day, consider Christ looking unto Jesus, the beginning and the end, the Alpha, the Omega, the author and the finisher. He is our all in all. What a blessing. And this is kind of deviating from uh, the, the trend of thought that we're going with here, but just came to mind what the Bible says in Revelation chapter number 1. You don't have to turn there for the sake of time. But the Bible says in verse number uh, Revelation 1, verse number 18, He said, I am He that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. He says in verse number 8 of that same chapter, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the 
Almighty. That's the Lord Jesus Christ that we get to serve. Amen? That's the Lord Jesus Christ who's come to set His people free from the captivity of their sins. That's the Christ that we can have wonderful and sweet fellowship with every single day. Amen? I tell you what, uh, Christianity is not a religion. And as we often hear, it is relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Day by day, I'm able to put my feet upon the floor uh, uh, and to be able to stand upon my feet and to breathe that first breath awake and thank God for the life that He's given me. As I walk with Him and talk with Him, and at least we ought to every day, amen, sometimes we forget. We get caught up in our job. Sometimes we forget. We get caught up in sin. Sometimes we forget, we get caught up with the things of this world, the cares of this world, and Satan is doing his best, ladies and gentlemen and young people this morning, to deviate our focus from looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The beginning of every morning, the ending of every day, may our life be consumed to do with what Jesus wants us to do. Christ is the answer. We'll get to that thought just here in a moment. But what a blessing that He, as the Bible did reference in Revelation chapter number 1, verse number 8, The Bible says which was, which is, and which is to come. I think of what the Bible says also in the book of Hebrews, where it says, Jesus Christ, the same, yesterday, today, and forever. And when you think about that, it gives a whole lot more meaning and just a whole lot more preciousness, sweetness about the name of Jesus. To think about the Christ who had appeared in the Old Testament to Joshua there outside of the walls of Jericho. When you think about the Christ who appeared with the three Hebrew young men as they were cast into the fiery furnace. And all the different appearances of Christ during the Old Testament and how that He came and lived those 33 and a half sinless years. And when He, and I will be preaching about this tonight, when He stopped in His incredible love and, and touched the blinded eye, uh, when He raised the lame to walk, uh, He caused the demon possessed to be set free. And all the things that He did. That Jesus of yesterday is the same Jesus who is alive and well today. You know, I got this iPhone here and I can't figure it out half the time, but. You know, I can't even really afford it, but I'm I'm on a family plan with my in-laws. It makes it a little more cheap, you know, cheaper. And uh, I don't even know if that's the proper English uh, grammar. But anyway, uh, every once in a while, it'll say you need to update your app. You need to update. And I tell you what, I never hardly update my apps on my phone. Anybody else have a smartphone, anything like that? iPhones? You, you have one, so okay. Anyway, and I it, it gives you a little number of how many updates you have. Usually, it'll run up to about twenty-five or thirty before I ever update the thing. But but anyway. And I know this is a really bad comparison and a corny illustration, alright? Uh, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ never has needed any updates. He never needs any upgrades. Listen, He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's nothing that He needs to improve upon. He is the same. Hallelujah! Amen? That's the God that you and I serve. That's the Jesus that died for us on the cross of Calvary. The Jesus that wants to have a relationship with you every day. Wants to spend time with me every day. And there are so many other things that he could be doing to contemplate that we are just but dust, the Bible says. I mean, you think about it. You take the biggest or the tallest person here upon the earth, and you put that one individual among, what is it, seven billion people now or so? You can quickly lose them in the crowd. <laughs> Seven, but that's a lot of people right there. One person, let's take the biggest person, the strongest, the tallest person, and place them in 7 billion people and you'll lose sight of them. And then you take this world, the earth, and you compare it to our solar system. You compare it to the Milky Way galaxy and how that our solar system is just a speck of light in the Milky Way galaxy. And this galaxy is one of who knows how many thousands of galaxies. The great expanse of space. And to think that God, who created all those things, still loves us so much, that out of all the places that He could be, He could just simply snap His fingers and destroy our galaxy and create a new one. But He didn't, because of His love. I keep wanting to preach about love. I'm preaching on that tonight. I've got to hold the reins in a little bit and preach about what we're supposed to preach this morning. Amen? But anyway, you think about that. And, 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 and oftentimes, we think we are somebody when we are nothing. We are nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, Christ loves us. He considers us every day. We ought to consider Him. <coughs> Excuse me. And I began to think about this verse here in Isaiah chapter number 9, verse number 6. I hope you're able to follow me this morning. 
And I hope not rabbit trailing too much or rambling too much. But in considering this theme this morning for the morning service, Christ is the answer. When I read this prophecy, and by the way, the Lord Jesus Christ fulfilled over 200 prophecies in the Old Testament about himself. Somebody once did the calculations that if an individual was to fulfill only a dozen of the prophecies of Christ in their life, it would be more likely for an individual, they did all the mathematics, I can't figure it out, it's just an interesting illustration to use, All right, they did the calculation that it would be more likely for an individual to be blindfolded and to be set adrift in the entire state of California in which a surface is covered with a foot deep, is covered with uh, a foot of silver dollar. I, I'm not making any sense here. Uh, take a, a Texas, cover it with a foot of silver dollars. You mark one of those silver dollars and just throw it somewhere in Texas. It would be more likely for that individual being blindfolded to find that one marked silver dollar than it would be for an individual to fulfill a dozen of the prophecies of Christ in the Old Testament. We'll spit it out one way or another. Amen. Hopefully that made sense to you here this morning. But I just thought that was a very interesting comparison. Over 200 prophecies that Christ fulfilled there in the Old Testament. But when you consider this one, man, I got excited to think who this Jesus really is. And oftentimes we lose sight of who God is. Man, we forget about His majesty. We forget about His glory. We forget about His majesty and who He is sitting upon the throne of heaven. What He gave up for us. The Bible says in our text in Isaiah 9, verse number 6, that His name, it says, shall be called, well, His name is called, Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I began to think about that, and literally this almost covers every single aspect of our lives, and we'll get into that here in just a moment. Ladies and gentlemen, you think about what this world needs. What America needs is not new policies, although we probably need some. Can I get an amen on that one? We don't, well, need a new president. That's not necessarily the answer. Though we could have another one. And petitions for people to sign and particular congressmen to sit there on Capitol Hill, those things are good and I preach on those things. But now is not the day. What America really needs is the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the mottos for our ministry is this. In order to save America, we must get America saved. And that is a very true statement. You think about it. Who can truly change the heart of someone? Someone who brings a commercial about what kind of policies need to be set in government. Well, maybe that will change somebody's mind. But truly, the person who can change someone's heart is only the Lord Jesus Christ. I often tell this story, and I love telling this story. Maybe one of these days you'll have the chance to meet him. But my dad was saved at the age of 32 out of life of drugs and alcohol. They're from New York City. My mom, very similar lifestyle. Literally at the point of, of getting a divorce and such, and, and lives are falling apart. My dad got saved at the age of 32. Praise the Lord for it. If he never got saved, I very much highly doubt that I would even be in existence today. But anyway, before my dad got saved... The only way that he would vote for a congressman or a presidential candidate was if, and I'm I'm quoting from him, if that individual would legalize the usage of marijuana. That is the only way that he would vote. And if that was never on the platform, he wouldn't even consider him voting in the election. That's what he voted for right there. That was the only thing he cared about. My father used to grow marijuana plants on his windowsill there in his apartment in New York City. And he was a drug dealer. He Listen, he was a very rough individual. But after my dad got saved, his mind changed. His heart changed. No longer was he worried about that, but he quickly, of course, poured the booze down the drain, got rid of the cigarettes, got rid of the drugs, and the, all those things. His life got right, and heart got right, and began to uh, want to do what Jesus would have him to do. And when he entered that voting booth the next time, that was not the issue. But the issue was, what does this individual believe Or what does this person believe morally based upon the Word of God, such as life and liberty and all the things that are involved with that, which we won't get in this morning. But what a premier example, what a prime example to show how that Christ is the answer. Listen, what this world needs, what America needs is Jesus Christ. What America needs is for Christians and churches to get fired up about spreading the gospel, the good news, the great news, God's news of good tidings to a world that's lost and dying in their sin. Listen, we need to tell people about Jesus. 
question I'd like to ask this morning to you is this. When is the last time that you've witnessed to someone? When's the last time we've passed out a gospel track? When's the last time that we did what God has left us here to do? I mean, you think about it. If someone was on their deathbed and they had only just a handful of minutes left, you would be, and it was a loved one, be very attentive to hear what their last wishes were, their last things were that they were wanting to tell you and leave you with. Something important, something of value, some piece of wisdom. Or when the Lord Jesus Christ descended up into heaven, the last thing off of His lips before He began to ascend into the clouds to where He is residing today, on the right hand of the throne of God, He said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. People need Jesus. Amen? Jesus is the only person that can change America. And we need to get fired up about that. We need to be a gospel witness. Listen, Christ is the answer. And just figured to mention that the Lord said in John 14.6, as I mentioned last night, Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Me. What this world needs is Christ. Looking here at Isaiah chapter number 9, verse number 6, in the Christian's life, in an individual's life, we see a few things about who He is. Different character traits, different names that He has. I ask you this this morning, looking at this verse. Number one, are you going through a storm? Some kind of a difficulty? Christ is the answer, for He is the Prince of Peace. You think about the disciples as they were upon the Sea of Galilee and after the Lord had performed great miracles and preached to the multitudes how that they were attempting to go to the other side. And Christ, He was wore out. He was 100% God, but yet at the same time, He was 100% man. And there was a time in which He needed to rest. And He decided to take a short leave there upon the boat as they were going across to the other side. Well, a storm came. Wind began to blow, the lightning began to strike, and the thunder began to roll, and the rain began to pour. And I tell you what, these men were fishermen. They knew the seas. They knew how to sail. They knew how to handle themselves upon the water. But they began to become fearful, didn't they? Man, the Bible teaches us there in Mark chapter number 4, I believe it is, in verses 37 to 41, that they began to get, I can see it in my mind's eye, they began to put those oars in the water furiously and, and it, it quickly trying to uh, get to the other side and rowing in syncopation. How did they possibly took some buckets, uh, some little pails of water or little pails to uh, get the water out of the boat as the waves began to crash uh, over the gun rail. Very interesting that the Lord slept through the whole thing, didn't He? Asleep in the back of the ship. And they quickly ran to the back as if all hope was lost. And they shook Him out of fear. They shook Him in anger. They shook Him in frustration. And they looked at Christ as He began to awaken and say, Master, perish thou not that we perish! What a foolish question to ask. But of course, in the midst of that circumstance, being carried away with what was going on, it kind of was a fitting question to ask. But, we know the answer. Amen? Of course, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Yes, He does care. Amen? I think about that hymn, Does Jesus Care? Yes, He cares. I know He cares. Praise the Lord for it. But sometimes, and we sit back, or we stand up here, we'll reflect upon that story and say, hey, I tell you what, I can't believe the disciples... Man, these men got to walk with God. They got to see His miracles. They got to hear Him preach for three years. I can't believe that these men actually asked Jesus that question. How foolish of them and truly of little faith. But yet oftentimes we ask the exact same question when we're going through the storm. We come to Jesus. Why does that happen? Because most of the times we first and foremost try to do everything in our own power to get out of the storm ourselves without yielding unto Him, just as the disciples did. And as for the last resort, we then go run to Jesus. How many times have we done that in our life? Amen, I've done that before. I'm going to figure this out. I know that there's some kind of a human explanation of this. I'm going to, I'm going to do what's right in my own eyes, forgetting that I need to submit to what God has in store. And that's the human nature, isn't it? Human nature is to do our own thing, what we think is best. It's very difficult to walk by faith. And not to walk by sight, but God commands us to do so. Walk by faith and not by sight. And the disciples 
quickly in his panic and his frustration. Master, carest thou not that we perish? Hey, don't you see that we're about to die out here on the Sea of Galilee? Of course, he did care. He, of course, rebuked them about having little faith. He stood upon the bow of that ship. And I can see it there with my imagination. His robe, you know, floating in the breeze and the rain swashing into his face. Anyway, and he points his finger and he says, Peace, be still. And what happened? Instantaneously, everything stopped. I can see it as the disciples catch themselves because of the momentum of the boat still being carried from the waves that they were crashing through. And as they saw the tranquil sea, the heavens stopped their rain and begin to develop a clear night sky. And how they reflected one to another. What manner of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey Him? That's the Jesus that you serve. Amen? And so many times we forget, that's Jesus. Amen? Listen, look to Jesus every single day. Look to Jesus in the storms. Look to Jesus in the problems. Look to Jesus in the difficulties. Are you going through a troublesome time? Christ is the answer. He's the Prince of Peace. That's what it says in Isaiah 9. Amen? Isaiah 9, 6. But also you think about the fact that He is the Everlasting Father. The Everlasting Father. And you ever go through a time of uncertainty, uneasiness, and possibly delving into the unknown, not necessarily speaking about a storm, but God has asked you to do something, and you're going to do it, but you can't make sense of it. You look forward, and it just doesn't, it's just not clear. It's dark. It's the valley of the shadow of death. What did the psalmist say? Out of a heart of faith, complete resignation to God, he said, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. God will never abandon His own. What did He say in the book of Hebrews 13? I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. No matter the darkest hour, no matter the difficult circumstance, I will never leave you. Praise God. What happens? What happens is that we leave Him. That's what happens. And we wonder, well, where is God? I wonder if sometimes we've left God. Anyway, but speaking here and not meaning to prolong, and I know the, the time. Are you still with me? Can I get an amen? A few, all right, very good. The everlasting Father, everlasting refers to never ending. Amen? He never ends. It's always going to stay the same. He's never going to change, never going to abandon His children. The Bible speaks here that He is a type of Father. He is the Father. He said that I and my Father are one. There in the New Testament, He said that in John 10, verse number 30. But I want to specifically think about what is mentioned in Psalm 103. Don't turn there for the sake of time. Just listen if you can. If you would like to jot it down, feel free. But in Psalm 130, verse number 14, the Bible says, Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. The word pitieth here is not referring to feeling sorry for someone. Hey, think about maybe, you know, one of the, your kids, you know, they'll fall off the bike, get a big old bloody knee or something like that. I remember when I was his age and I did that to both knees. That was rough. And then I fell off the bike again. <laughs> and I, oh, that was bad. That was a bad summer. Anyway, but uh, anyway, but. Pity. Sometimes we think of the word pity. We think of it where a child is in hurt or in trouble, and, and we come by all oh, the, the poor child, you know, ah, and patting him on the head or maybe giving him a bandaid or something like that. That's not what that's referring to there in the Hebrew. The word pitieth specifically, and you can look it up. The word he, uh, word pitieth in the Hebrew specifically means to caress, to caress. And it never really made sense of that. And I can understand it. Before I was a dad, but now that I'm a dad, you know, of course, only three months into it, but now I kind of understand it a little bit more. Just like a father will caress his child, so the Lord caresseth them that feareth him, or has a reverence, a respect, and awe of who God is, that God is everything to them. That's the way it should be, amen? And just like I hold David, you know, hold him close, caress him, love him, protect him, and if I was to set David on the floor and say, all right, son, you know, dinner's downstairs and, and feel free to grab some, some food if you like to. You know, probably got some leftover tamales. How do they Anyway, what's, what's he going to do? Is he going to stand up and walk? Uh, the bathroom's down there if he needs to go. He's defenseless. He can't do anything on his own. And that's the way we are. That is really the way we are. Compared to God, 
speaking of the one who created everything in existence just by a word, that's who we are. The Bible teaches us that we are children. And truly, on our own, we are defenseless. We need God's help. And God wants to caress us. Jesus wants to caress you. Amen? When we're going through the times that are unfamiliar, the unknown, the darkest hour, we don't know what's going to happen, He said, Thou art with me. He is there. He is an everlasting Father. He will never abandon His own. That is Jesus. Amen? And so many times we try to figure it out ourselves. We try to uh, light the pathway ourselves. We try to uh, make the best of the situation. Listen, we need to realize that Christ is the answer. Amen? Instead of running to our own ingenuity, our own planning, our own wisdom, run to Christ looking at Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen? Let me just mention these last few things and we're going to conclude here this morning. Are we facing insurmountable odds? There's a number of different questions that we could ask this morning for each of these points, but Christ is the answer, for He is the mighty God. He is the God of the impossible. In Jeremiah 32, verse number 27, He said, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for Me? I love what Jesus Christ said in Mark 10, verse number 27, And Jesus, looking upon them, saith, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. And we wonder sometimes why we're spinning our wheels and we're trying to make sense of situations and circumstances and things of life. We're missing Christ. Christ is the answer. He can make all things possible. I can do all things through, man, I think myself. Hi, I can do all things through my bank account. I can do all things through my stock. I can do all things uh, through, uh, through, through, through this and that. No, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Christ the answer. Amen. He really is. Every single thing in our lives, Christ is the answer. Number, number four, the Bible says that He is a counselor. Are you facing a difficult choice to make? Christ is the answer, for He is the omniscient or the all-knowing counselor. The Bible says in Psalm 33, verse number 11, The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of His heart to all generations. When God gives you wisdom, it's not going to falter, but it's going to stand. Stand forever. Through the storms, through the difficulties, through the ridiculing and the scoffing, and everybody saying, well, you don't know what you're talking about. That seems like a foolish choice to make, but listen, if God told you to do something, you need to do it. Amen? The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. And uh, let's see here, uh, Psalm 33, verse number 11. Where are the Christians who are going to do their best to find God in their lives? Amen? I don't have time to preach all these things. It's past the time. But listen, find God. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, verse number 13, And ye shall seek Me and find Me when ye shall search for Me with all your heart. Christians who with all their heart, with their passion, a desire, their heartbeat of finding God in their life. God, where are you in these situations? God, where are you? I need you, God. I need your wisdom. I cannot live without you. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understandings. In all thy ways acknowledge Him. Acknowledge His direction. Acknowledge His wisdom. And His wisdom will come from the Word of God. His wisdom will come from the preaching of God's Word. Man, that's why it's so important to be in church three times a week. I don't know about you, but I need God's wisdom. God is not going to reveal Himself in a dream as He used to. God is not going to reveal Himself to you in a audible voice as He used to. God reveals Himself to you through the reading of God's Word and from the preaching of God's Word. I'm going to step out on a limb here. Hopefully it doesn't break by saying this. How foolish of us to think that we don't need church three times a week. I understand jobs and things like that, complications, far distances, weather... And the Lord knows that as well. But if we have every opportunity to be in church and we decide to, to, to not be in church, the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of such, such is. And, and he said, as you see the day approaching. Pastor this morning preached an effective message, didn't he? About the end times, the last times. Every single second brings us closer to the return of Christ. As we see the day of Christ approaching, we ought to be in church more and more. Amen? Absolutely. Bringing people into church and doing our part. Anyway, finding God, focusing on God, and then following God's will and God's Word. And then lastly, we see here that Christ is wonderful. 
and truly thinking about salvation, uh, He is a wonderful Savior. Uh, if someone here this morning is lost with no hope, with no hope in eternity, Christ is the answer. He is the wonderful Savior who died upon the cross for your sins and for my sins. There is a wonderful God. His name is Jesus. For us Christians, consider this. He is a God who cares for our every need. He is a God who comforts us in our sorrows. He is a God who keeps us safe and secure. He is a God who cleanses us from our sins day by day so that we can keep that relationship open with Him. And we keep that channel of His blessings open. He's a wonderful God. Christ is the answer this morning. I hope you get that. hope you understand that. It's not a politician. It's not a president. It's not a policy. It's not a petition. It's Christ. This world needs Jesus. You need Jesus. I need Jesus every day. What are you doing with Jesus? Are you living your life after Christ lived His life? Walking in His steps. Are we sharing Jesus with the lost and dying world? I would like to ask you this last question. And, and feel free to give a show of hands. How, how many of you remember the day that you accepted Christ as your Savior? Remember, you asked Jesus in your heart, would you raise your hand? Many of us here this morning, you may put your hands down. Remember the joy that flooded your soul? At least I remember it when I got saved. I knew I was going to heaven. Man, that was exciting. My name was written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. No longer did I have to worry about dying and going to hell. I knew that I was a child of God. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall, will be saved. He never lies and He never will go back on His promise. We don't save ourselves. God saves us. We don't hold on to Jesus. Jesus holds on to us. Don't you think a lost and dying world deserves to have that exact same chance? To have that exact same feeling. Amen? I know it's not a feeling. Salvation is not a feeling. But to have that exact same knowledge. Wow. I'm going to heaven. And I know it. This message... Is a new message, but the Lord originally gave me this idea back in, I think, May of this year. I just, you know, didn't necessarily have the opportunity to preach it. But God gave me this thought back in May of this year. I was out for my morning jog, and I passed by the Catholic Church. My mom was a Roman Catholic for many years. I was a sweaty mess, but they had mass going on. Actually, no, I went past it. Nobody was in the parking lot. I came back. parking lot was crowded full of people. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to go in there and see what's going on. It's Sunday morning, I was getting, you know, out for my early morning jogging things, and I was just floored at how many hundreds of people were there for church. They're at church saying things and singing things that they probably had no idea what it was, but going through the ritual, the formality of a religion. And as we began to look in the back, looked at all the hundreds of people that were there, they were standing and repeating these lines in a very monotone way after the priest. And I'm not trying to bash any religion this morning, but the truth is the truth. The truth is the truth. There's only one way of salvation, it's through Christ. It's not the Baptist way or the Methodist way or the Catholic way, it's Jesus' way, it's through Christ. But they don't teach that. They don't teach the whole counsel of God. And ladies and gentlemen, my heart was just broken within me as I began to see all these people so dedicated to be at church at 6.30 Mass. Hundreds of people, children, older folk, young parents, men and women, in a religion, but yet not having the answer. That got me fired up and stirred up. As I began to run back to the hotel, I didn't even notice it, but I passed this this insurance office, I guess the individual was a Christian, on the side, and I had come this way and didn't see it, but when I ran back, I then saw it. On the side of this entire two-story building, white uh, siding, big words, letters and words that said, Christ is the answer. Not even two blocks away from that church. Man, I got stirred up. And I'm preparing for today, he began to contemplate Isaiah 9, verse number 6. Listen, there are so many ways in which we ignore Christ. And He is all that we need to get us through. Jesus is the answer. Let's not forget about that. And let's take Christ to a lost and dying world. Amen? The gates of hell will not be able to prevail against this church if we go forth in unity. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank You for this time. We ask that You be with us now in invitation. Lord, I pray that You'll have liberty. Holy Spirit of God, I ask that You'll convict our hearts. 
God, I, I beg you that you'll encourage us this morning. What a blessing to think about these truths. How that you are the answer. Oh, that's such a wonderful thing. You are wonderful. You're a counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting Father, a Prince of Peace, the Savior of the world, Emmanuel. Thank you so much for coming and dying on a cross for our sins. Lord, if there's someone here today who doesn't know for sure that if they were to die, that they would go to heaven, I pray that today they will know that for sure and put their faith and trust solely in you, not in a church, not in being baptized, not in good works. But Lord, salvation can only come through you and what you did on the cross of Calvary. With every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, I'd like to take just a moment and ask you a few questions if I could. I'd ask you to be honest before God this morning. How many of you would say, Brother Caleb, God encouraged my heart. He stirred my heart with that, those thoughts this morning, with the message this morning. God encouraged my heart. He blessed my heart. God fed me this morning from something from His Word. Would you raise your hand and acknowledge that? Would you testify before the Lord, the Lord this morning? Thank you so much. A number of hands. Is there one this morning who would say, Brother Caleb, God convicted me about something in my life. There's something in which, and I'm not going to get specific this morning, but just say, Brother Caleb, there's been an area in my life in which, <coughs> in which in the message God convicted me about, and I need to take care of business with the Lord about that. Would you raise your hand before Christ this morning? Would you raise it? Would you raise it? A few of us. How many would say, Brother Caleb, I remember the time that I prayed and asked Jesus, to come into my heart and save me. I know for sure that if I was to die, that I'd go to heaven. Jesus is my Savior. Would you raise your hand and testify before Christ? Thank you so much for your hands. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. And I'm not going to embarrass anyone this morning. But is there one this morning that would say, Brother Caleb, I don't know for sure that if I was to die today that I'd go to heaven. I don't know for sure that I'm saved. Now I want to be saved. I want to go to heaven. I want to know that for sure. With no one looking around, I don't want to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. Is there one who would raise their hand and say, Brother Caleb, I don't know for sure that I'm saved. Would you raise it this morning? Would you raise it? In a moment, I'm going to pray and then turn the service over to Pastor and he'll conduct an invitation as he leads. I pray that you'll consider the things that we've mentioned this morning. Looking unto Christ. Knowing that He is the answer for everything in life. Lord, we come before you this morning. We ask that you please move and work. Speak to our hearts. Convict us. Encourage us. Revive us. Lord, we thank you so much that you are our all in all. You are the answer to everything that we face in life. And sometimes we don't get the answer immediately, but Lord, you are always there. You will never fail us or let us down. Thank you for that. And I pray that you'll be with your people here in invitation in Christ. And we pray. As pastor comes, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Let's all stand together and as the pianist plays, if the Lord spoke to your heart.